Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Buffalo podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. I'm your host today, Kevin Masseri, as always here with Kevin Syracuse to go through not only the semi-thrilling Patriots win as well as the Miami Dolphins, all the stats and injuries and whatnot surrounding that, as well as kind of recapping some final and direct playoff situations. Pretty easy to go through, but we will go through that at the end and kind of give our final takes as a really jam-packed edition. But as always, this show is brought to you by Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com. Check them out on Instagram. Also check them out right behind me. You can see one of their best art pieces that in my world is great. And tonight's show is also brought to you by Tuscany Market and Deli in Fredonia. Tuscany is a locally owned Italian deli and specialty grocer offering an old school butcher shop with homemade sausage, burgers, and more, as well as a full-scale deli, subs and sandwiches, fresh produce, Italian imports, kitchen supplies, home goods, and much more. You can find Tuscany on Facebook and Instagram and visit their shop at 450 East Main Street, right on the corner of routes 20 and 60 in Fredonia. So we have a thrilling game. I mean, one that only ended up being a single digit score. So another one score victory for the Buffalo Bills, one that is continuing to grow three straight uh, one score victories. As always, that does progress to the mean. If you wouldn't mind, smash that like button. That means a ton to us here on whether on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, wherever. Please smash that. It allows us to continue to bring great content. And I'll bring you my playoff scenarios. The last week, you'll get to hear those as well at the end of the show. We've got a quick Patriots. We're not going to spend too much time on the Patriots today. There's not a ton to really break down. All they needed to do was survive, win that game, and push themselves into this scenario to where the Bills have everything out in front of them, five straight, six of seven uh, on on the tap for them, Kevin. But what is your immediate reaction to this Bills victory? Uh, against the Patriots, who came out with a kick return touchdown, another special teams blunder, but one really where the Bills defense clamped down early on to make sure that they secured that going into an all-important Miami game. So tell us about your recap of the Patriots game. Yeah, my thoughts are the Bills did what they had to do. It wasn't pretty, but like we say, at this time of the year, we're not going for style points. Just make sure you get the W, and that's what the Bills did. And on top of it, the Ravens not only beat the Dolphins, but they demolished the Dolphins. So it was like a win-win scenario. And again, it wasn't the prettiest where you're feeling like, oh man, the Bills curb stomped the Patriots. We ran them out of town. You know, it was a little bit tighter than we probably wanted, but the Bills did what they had to do and they got some help. And that sets up this pivotal week 18 matchup that we've been talking about since this show debuted back on November 22nd. Yeah. And what's interesting too, is that the Bills didn't get any other help. They didn't get a lot of help around the league. Uh, they did get a Kansas city victory over Cincinnati, which was helpful. Uh, but now that puts them into a situation to where they're relying on the Steelers to lose to the Ravens backups. We'll get into some more of those scenarios later, but they didn't get a lot of other uh, help around the league going into this, this, this week. Uh, they had a lot of help up till last week, but didn't get a couple of the games they needed to go their way to give them a little bit more of a security blanket. But the Bills put themselves in a situation to win and be the number two seed and lose and Um, they'll know at that point where they'll be, but possibly lose and be out. So very unique situation for the Bills. Not many times in history can you say a team can win. A lot of times you can win the division, sneak in, be the four seed. That's pretty common or out. But very rarely can you be the two seed 
uh, with a win in Inside. I mean, that's because you're the second best team in the conference. That team should at least have a wild card berth. So it puts this as a really, really important game. We'll also recap, or we'll also go through the Dol- Dolphins game here shortly uh, after a little bit of our Patriots talk. We won't spend a ton of time. You know, we know it's Wednesday after the after the game already. Most people are looking forward to Dolphins week, uh, but just a few minor notes to come out of that. The Bills came out of that game pretty healthy. 56% snaps for Daquan Jones was a pretty uh, fun note. You know, he's back and he's playing more snaps than many people thought. Looking probably for a full workload against the Dolphins, which isn't a ton more than that. So 27 to 21, the Bills won that game. Bailey Zappi with three interceptions to start the game. Kind of settled in, looked a little bit better there in the second half. Um, you know, the Bills, Bills Patriots played a 7-7 second half uh, for the most part. So really... The difference was that the defensive player of the week, Rasul Douglas, one of the best trade acquisitions of our time. Uh, really, tr- as far as trades go, it's as good as an in-season trade can be. Uh, you don't get much better than acquiring guy winning defensive player of the weeks, possibly a long-term cornerback two on this roster, if not really cornerback, playing cornerback one levels. Christian Benford playing very, very well, scoring one of the best scores, and his coverage ability is great. Uh, he got beat once, uh, but outside of that, he plays very sticky coverage, and that secondary was roaring. Terrell Bernard with two sacks. Um, the defense came to play, really was 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 very aggressive, um, really got got really on one drive for the most part. One was obviously a kick return touchdown to start the game, um, but the one drive in the fourth quarter, I thought um, they got beat a little bit. But outside of that, Kevin, I thought the defense particularly uh, played a very strong game. What, what did you think of the way the Bills defense played? Yeah, I thought they were great. And before we get into the defense from Sunday, you mentioned Russell Douglas. I I, I got to pull this up because we need to realize what the Bills did to the Packers. I mean, the Bills fleeced the Packers with this trade. So they acquired Russell Douglas and a fifth round pick for just a third round pick. And plus, the Bills will still have a third round pick due to the compensatory formula from the Tremaine Edmonds signing slash departure with Chicago. So the yep. Bills will still have 10 total draft picks in 2024. And like you said, Russell Douglas is playing like CB1. And I, I think I said this on the show last week, but I'll say it again. As much as we love Trey White and as much as we miss him, you really don't miss him that much because he's been exceeding expectations. Russell Douglas, that is. When you think about it, Daquan Jones is back. Russell Douglas took over for Trey White and a lot of the other injuries that were hampering this team during the middle of the season, guys like Dawson Knox and, you know, Christian Benford, Dane Jackson, Taron Johnson, Micah Hyde was back. This team is pretty much set minus Matt Milano. That is the one key component that they're missing right now. But outside of that, this team is healthy and playing their best football at the right time. Yeah, I really like the way the Bills finished too. You know, the fourth quarter wasn't great uh, for the Bills. However, they did, the, the, the Patriots had the ball with, you know, roughly six minutes left uh, on a punt to uh, Bailey Zappi on the three-yard line. Uh, he threw the ball away. Then Zeke ran up the middle for a few yards. Uh, and then he hit Thornton short uh, and punted the ball. The Bills defense really stood up there. Three plays, eight uh, eight yards in the la- under six minutes was a really great way. And then the best drive of the day probably, um, beside the uh, earlier touchdown into um, the third quarter, the Bills actually played really well. 11 plays, 35 yards, taking five minutes and multiple timeouts of the two-minute warning off the clock. That is a good rushing performance. Uh, really well called from the New England 49. Basically drove basically drove it into, uh, they could have scored if they needed to. 
Um, that's why the game was a little bit closer uh, than it needed to be. But um, ultimately, the game was in control. The Bills would have scored points there had they needed them um, if they were, you know, wanted to go up by 14 or whatnot. So the, the, the 27 to 1, a 27 to 21 score, um, yeah, it does show the score to be close. They did have a kick return touchdown. Uh, it, 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 sure, you know, the Buffalo in you may seem like you were going to blow that, but it didn't never really felt like that. Um, you know, the bills were at least going to go 30 to 34 points there, uh, had they needed it as they were on the 12 yard line when the game ended, but running out the clock was an optimal ideal situation. Uh, something they didn't, weren't able to do in LA where they had to actually give Easton stick another shot at, uh, where Ed Oliver closed out the game in the following week. So, um, you know, it was good to see the offense actually clamp down. Um, the defense have won games while they're on the field as well lately. Uh, but this time the offense salted the game away. And that's literally what a four minute offense is supposed to do. And they got it done leading into, you know, the, the skill players, you know, James Cook had a slow day, 16 for 48 had an early drop in the game. Uh, may or may not have gone anywhere. Only had one catch for minus four yards, three targets, one drop. Uh, so not a, not an ideal James Cook game, but the New England defense, as we heard from Mark Schofield, one of the best run defenses in the league. So uh, makes sense there. Josh Allen got running 11 times for 44 yards and two touchdowns rushing. Uh, really, really nice day there. I mean, that's like running back, running back two numbers, uh, which is which is hilarious from your from your quarterback. Dalton Kincaid four catches for 87 yards along a 51, uh, and also had a touchdown on a wheel route, but Josh uh, didn't see him. So played really well in this game, Kevin. And then you see, you know, the four for four, four for 39 from Khalil Shakir and the four from 26 from Diggs and much discussed Diggs conversation. Let's get into it now, Kevin, before we get into Miami. Tell me a little bit about the, where do you stand on the Diggs conversation? Because here's my point, And then I want to hear yours. I heard in the beginning of the year under Ken Dorsey, all they did was target the receiving uh, receiver. Number one, that's all they did. It's easy. If they can just guard Diggs, uh, you can beat the bills. They force them, they force them 10, 12, 14 targets, 100 yards, 120 yards. That's all they do is throw the ball to Diggs. I want to see the running backs. I want to see the tight ends. I want to see Khalil Shakir. Well, that's what you're getting now. And now it's, well, where's Diggs? Is he secretly hurt? Does he have sciatica? Does he have a broken arm? Does he have a broken leg? Like, ultimately, like, what is it? Like, do we want these second and third options to do good? Or do we want Stefan Diggs to be your main focal point? Now, obviously, any answer is the middle, like the middle ground. Um, but if he's doing his job and seemingly winning football games where earlier in the year when they're going five and five, maybe a complement of offense that, you know, you have Dalton Kincaid wide open. You have Khalil Shakir making plays like that's hard to defend. I know we want to gaud your passing numbers, but Kevin, let me hear your opinion on the quote unquote lack of Stefan Diggs production. I'm fine with it because the Bills are winning. That's the main thing, and I think that's the point that you were trying to make. In the beginning of the year, I agree. Even I was like, man, they're just force-feeding digs, and that was when we had a lot of the Ken Dorsey drama going on, and it's like, come on, you got to utilize James Cook and Dalton Kincaid. There was a stretch when Dalton Kincaid was barely getting targeted, and, and we were like, what are we doing here? Because he was supposed to be this next big thing, like the glorified Cole Beasley, a bigger quicker Cole Beasley with yards after the catch and Dorsey seemed to be neglecting him and you could say Allen too for that matter so you know we had multiple conversations about what are they going to do when it's not just Stefan Diggs so I am more happy than unhappy with this because they are getting it done without Stefan Diggs and we know that they can get it done with Diggs so that's why I keep thinking that they are saving him for games like this against Miami and then hopefully the playoffs because since Joe Brady has taken over, 
yeah, they've been a little bit off the last few weeks, but he's done more with Gabe Davis. He's done more with Kincaid, James Cook, Ty Johnson, Leonard Fournette when he had a few snaps. Khalil Shakir, I think Khalil Shakir is clutch and consistent, and I would like to see them tap into his potential a little bit more. But the point is, they are winning without Stephon Diggs, putting up Stephon Diggs numbers, and that motivates me. And like I said, just to echo my first statement, the Bills are winning, so how can you be mad at that? Yeah, and I mean, look, you're developing a tight end. You're going to have a rookie tight end with roughly 70 catches. I mean, that's really good. Yes, it's not Laporta, but this tight end class was as good as any. And you're going to get Laporta out of it. You see some other tight ends showing up. You see probably Dalton Kincaid at this stage be number two uh, out of this class. But 70 catches is going to break rookie records, both tight ends and receivers. It's going to break most records. You know, coming into your sophomore year with over 600 yards and 70 catches, two or three touchdowns, whatever happens to, you know, wherever it'll stay. Uh, is is a great rookie year. That's tight ends a really hard position. He's blocking better than anyone ever thought. I've heard this 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 bust of fantasy player label that I saw floating around this week. I laughed at it. Um, Seventy catches from a rookie player, um, quite literally, has a bright future for four more years. Three plus a fifth year option um, is going to have bright things in this league. And Dal- and Dawson Knox as well is very well utilized as a tight end too. His contract hasn't even kicked in. Um, so in terms of what he's going to get paid down the road, I think he's a very useful player for this offense, especially adding a few weapons in the offseason. And we'll get into that in future shows. Uh, but as you look at what this offense is doing, you know, I tweeted out some pressure stats and, you know, people were kind of kind of shocked. They were like, well, I thought the Bills offensive line struggled against Christian Barmore um, and the New England uh, interior pressure. And and it was average. Um, but the, the stats show it average. I didn't say the stats were good or bad. Uh, the Bills' O-line played an average day. Uh, it wasn't as bad as people thought, um, but also it was it was it was average uh, across the board. Dawkins allowed one hurry. McGovern allowed two total pressures, a sack and a hit. Uh, Morse two hurries. Torrance two hurries. Brown actually zero hurries. Uh, Brown's been one of the best players on the Bills' offense, believe it or not. He's been great and rightfully so has earned uh, his job back uh, that he was given and proving the management right here. Uh, but don't forget, a hurry is a pressure, a sack, a hit, and a hurry are all pressures. Um, you know, I get that. It's a little bit confusing out there for people that feel like he was hurried more. Well, yeah, they're like all those are forms of pressure when it comes to the NFL. So, and then Latavius Murray led up a hurry too, had a, had a bad day. Does he get replaced by um, Ty Johnson? I do believe so. And will you see Leonard Fournette this week? You know, reuniting back in Florida. I think it's very possible that you see a Leonard Fournette up for this game. Um, with the Bills, knock on wood, very healthy looking injury report for once. Really, as you mentioned, only missing Matt Milano, Trey White, but is Razul Douglas better? He might be. Would they play Razul Douglas and Trey White? Would they play Benford? I don't know. It's a story for another day. I don't know what they would do if Trey was even healthy. They wouldn't have traded for Douglas, like period. So, like, ultimately, you'd actually have the benefit of having that third-round pick next year um, is what you probably would have got. But the Bills have gotten such good corner play. Three top 15 corners in a lot of metrics, Kevin. Um, I mean, look, with that kind of corner play can win you games. It can win you in this defensive line, top three in the league in sacks. What's your opinion on that cornerback room as you have Taron Johnson, you know, you know, you see Christian Benford in top 15 in most stats. You see Razul Douglas playing for an all pro. Is that corner room slash defensive line? I mean, at some point, yeah, the safeties aren't what they used to be. You know, Dodson's playing really well, but now that Daquan Jones is back where the biggest weakness was, like 
I mean, you have three top 15 corners. How do you feel about that? I feel really great. And, you know, maybe in years past, you're getting a little bit nervous when it's like, oh, man, are we going to be able to handle Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, assuming they're healthy? And now I don't even take a, a double take at that. You know, I don't look at that and say, uh-oh. I look at that and say, let's go, Russell Douglas. Keep doing your thing. And same with Christian Benford. And, you know, taking a look at next year, if and when Trey comes back, that is a great problem to have when you could potentially have two CB1s, maybe even three because Benford has been playing so well. And to think that a healthy Kyer Elam, who I am not giving up on yet, and, you know, we tweeted at Bills in Buffalo the other day that Elam is still the youngest player on the Bills roster. So if you think that you have those four corners next year and they're all healthy, that yeah. is a loaded cornerback group. But I don't want to get too far into that. And, and then there's still Dane, too. Um, is he, He's on that. He's on a two-year deal, right? One-year restricted free agent deal that he ended up buying out. The Bills gave him less than an RFA tender. Um, so he's on a one-year deal. I don't think he sees the next year because you're going to have, like you mentioned, Douglas. You're going to have Benford. Uh, I don't think they're just going to get rid of Trey White as many others do, and they're going to have Kyrie, uh, Taron Johnson. So I think the corner room is fairly set going into next year. Yeah, and like I said, that's a great problem to have when you have it as loaded as the Bills do looking at next year. But looking at Sunday night's matchup, I feel so confident with the way Douglas and Benford have been playing. And I know it's Tyreek Hill and Jalen Model, but again, those guys are hampered by injuries. And I think that gives the Bills corners an advantage right then and there. And you're forgetting one big thing, NFL team sacks. The Bills are third in the league, 53 sacks. The Chiefs had a bunch of sacks against the Bengals to, to trump them over to 54. Um, and then obviously you have the Ravens at 57. 53 sacks here by the Buffalo Bills uh, this season. You almost have Terrell Bernard in a, uh, in a crazy situation, getting close to seven sacks. You have Ed Oliver a half a sack away from 10. You have Leonard Floyd. You have a healthy Rousseau and A.J. Epinesa back. I mean, that front four is great you have daquan jones in there freeing up i mean you saw Ned oliver bernard and ed oliver played well because of daquan jones they've been playing well all season uh but with a healthy daquan jones uh you're gonna see those blitzes up the middle because daquan is eating blockers as per usual and freeing up the rest of his team um one of the best deals ever was that at oliver contract a lot of i had to talk about that a lot this offseason on going deep here um previous in our previous editions and his contracts are really good. An interior pressure like he gets, he's one of the best pass-rushing defensive tackles in the league. Um, I mean, it's a value contract at this point for a guy getting double-digit sacks that's locked up long-term. The Bills got a lot out of it, and their 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 defensive line situation is great uh, to the point where it's still top three in the league without Von Miller. Will you see Von Miller this week? That's a big question. I mean, I didn't have Kingsley Jonathan over Von Miller on my bingo card uh, for the 2023-24 season. Uh, but here we are with that taking place. We'll see if he's active on game day. And Puna Ford um, beating out Linville Joseph for the last defensive tackle spot as well. So some of those players are starting to come on a little bit more. And will we see Kyrie Elam? I don't believe you will this year, Kevin. Uh, but he's definitely somebody in the pipeline um, for next year. So great New England victory. It does set them up for success here. And I do want to start to get into the Miami game. You know, 20 minutes on the Patriots is plenty. Um, kind of recapping the season to date. We get into this big, important uh, Miami Dolphins game. Uh, lots of injuries on their side of the ball. Kind of kind of reversed starts. Um, you know, the Dolphins were very, very good. Um, Bill started to face some injuries after the Dolphins game. Had that lag in the middle of the year. 
but it seems like as usual, that Dolphins lag at the end of the season. They didn't get it done clinching the division. All they had to do was beat the Titans or the Ravens. They were unable to do it, leaving the door wide open for the Bills in the two seed. Hence the flex to Sunday night football with Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth to end the season. Last year, they started the season. This year, they end the season. So how are you feeling? Just kind of your emotions on uh, reactions, knowing that they left the door open, that not only you can be the two seed for the third time in four seasons post removal of the bye. I tweeted that uh, a couple of days ago. Um, the second they got rid of the bye, the Bills have earned the two seed three out of four seasons of post bye, possibly three out of four seasons of the post bye era. So how are you? How are you feeling knowing that that's what's at stake, and that this isn't just a standard division game? This is one on steroids. I feel great because this is what I've been predicting right along. And everything came into form, like I said. The only discrepancy that I had was I had Dallas beating Miami and Tennessee losing, but it was vice versa. So either way, I had the 11-5 Dolphins taking on the 10-6 and Bills, and the winner gets the division. So I feel great because this is what I've been predicting right along, and I just really hope that it will come to fruition, and I think that it can, not just because I predicted it back on November 22nd, but I'm just confident that the Bills have been in this position before and they know how big this game is. And we'll find out because luckily Pittsburgh plays Saturday, so that might give us a little bit of a, a, a cushion. But this team, we've said it right along, they play their best when their backs are against the wall. And like you said, Miami tends to slip in those moments. And we also have the October 1st game in Buffalo where the Bills curb stomped the Dolphins 48-20. to So a lot of things are working in the Bills' favor but at the same time, I think it's important to remain cautiously optimistic because it's the NFL and the Dolphins, as we will see in a few minutes here, I have the team stats. They are a very, very good team and they want nothing more than to beat the Bills and to shut up our fans on Twitter. So it is going to be one for the ages and I am so pumped. Let's get on some of the advanced statistics first. As you see around the league, um, you know, pretty much DVOA has worked itself out to be a pretty comprehensive status toward the end of the season. It's very effective. Once again, uh, DVOA is not a predictive statistic of how a team will do. It's a snapshot at how they did to date against the league and against averages. So the Bills are third in the league with DVOA. They're playing behind the two one seeds, Baltimore and San Francisco. The Bills are the best team in the league, not in the one seed. Um, which is hilarious for a team that could be playing for no no playoff berth, potentially uh, something were to slip up in Miami. They are the third best team in the league. And you see them two and three and four on most, even most uh, power rankings lists, which is great. They're very clearly, in my opinion, the two seed uh, of the of the league, of the AFC. So they're third in DVOA. Um, they are fourth in offense. You wouldn't think it. They've kind of risen back to around the 12th rank in the tw in the um in the uh, defensive side of the ball as well. The sixth hardest schedule. Um, so, and um, weighted, meaning factoring in all of the factors of that, it's actually the third hardest schedule based on, you know, who's been healthy when they played and a couple of the other weighting factors uh, that would go into that uh, as well. So lots to enjoy there um, with the way the Bills have played uh, from a DVOA perspective. Total DVOA for Miami, they're fifth, um, third in the league offensively, 19th defensively, average special teams at 15. So seems like a pretty bad defense um, to be brought up to the fifth mark, but they are sitting in the fifth place um, 
in DVOA, the offensive numbers, you'll get into some of the box score statistics, but when it comes to DVOA, third uh, third offense versus the fourth offense, third Miami pass, their second pass, the Bills are third, rush, the Miami's third, and Buffalo's fifth. So they have some pretty good um some pretty pretty good all-around offensive numbers. So, you know, as much as it feels like the Bills struggling, there's still a lot of good EPAs and advanced statistics that show the Bills are not struggling as much as we think on offense, um, as sometimes that it feels like. Defensively, lastly here, uh, the Bills are 12th. Um, they're 10th against the, the the pass, and they're 18th against the rush uh, on DVOA. Miami, uh, on the other hand, has struggled mightily for most of the year. They played a little bit better when with when full strength and with Jalen Ramsey, uh, but 19th total, uh, 18th against the pass, though. Uh, so we'll see if that rears its head in and 21st against the rush. Uh, so the bills can really go a multitude of different ways here uh, with the DVOA numbers um, and what is going to happen when it comes to them as well. 31st ranked schedule though, meaning they've played the 31st easiest schedule uh, when it comes to their defensive numbers and they're still not even that great. So that is where we stand with the DVOA numbers shocking defensively. I mean, they played better since Ramsey, but they are out Jalen Phillips. Uh, their injury report is brutal. Kevin, bring us up some box score stats now, and let's go through them. All right, so starting with the offense here. So total offense, Miami is first in the NFL with 409.2 yards per game. Buffalo is still top five, though, with uh, 368.3. And then the Dolphins also have the number one passing offense. The Bills are top 10, even though Allen has dropped the last couple of weeks. But, you know, it is... I believe it was four yards enough to be in the top 10 still. And then rushing, they're pretty similar. Fifth and seventh place, as you can see with the graphic here. And then scoring, Miami is first, averaging over 30 points per game. And then Buffalo is just under 27, and they're right at their season average on Sunday versus the Patriots. There you go. What are, what are we looking at for the defensive side? <laughs> All right, so defensively now. Miami does have a better total defense here just by a little bit. As you can see, 308.6 yards per game to 309.2. So very, very close right there. Passing offense, the Bills have the slight edge here. They are 7th. Miami is 12th. And then rushing, Miami has the edge, only allowing 95 yards per game. And then the Bills have dipped to 15th. And then scoring, this is where Buffalo has the edge again. They are fourth in the league, only allowing 18.6 points per game. Miami is allowing 23.1, which is tied for 21st. Now, that one that one really shocked me. So I, I looked into it more and looking at some additional stats now. I was like, okay, what's the difference here with these defenses? And it comes down to red zone defense. So Buffalo has allowed 25 touchdowns in the red zone, which is tied for 12th. But then Miami has allowed 35, which is tied for 25th. So Basically, the way these two teams operate, you can move the ball on them, but then the Bills know how to tighten up. The Dolphins don't necessarily tighten up as well as the Bills do, at least based on the numbers here over the course of the season. And now the Dolphins are dealing with injuries and the Bills are starting to get healthier. So like we always say, we try to preface this by saying that the numbers could be skewed a little bit just because you got to think about the other factors going into it. But that is pretty telling right there. So did, did you know about that, Kevin, with red zone touchdowns allowed? They did not. So they clearly struggle. I mean, that's a good secondary stat that they clearly struggle 
uh, both very effective sack teams. Uh, the point differential is very much on par, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely one that uh, the Bills have a few more takeaways, but that's definitely one that that jumps out to me for sure is that uh, red zone touchdowns allowed. And another thing that is very important here in the situation is the injury report here. Um, you can see the Bills is very clean, nothing there to worry about, a couple of normal vet rests, uh, nothing at all jumps out to me on the Bills side. On the Dolphin side, though, you got Taryn Armstead uh, with pretty much uh, all the issues, knee, ankle, back. You have Bradley Chubb out for the season with his knee. You have Xavier Howard that's supposed to be out for at least a few weeks with his foot. Uh, Mostert was said to be in a boot. Uh, no one really knows where he is. It was supposed to be week to week, but maybe longer. We'll see. Uh, could be a big loss. Uh, Zach Seiler, uh, illness, uh, pretty big defensive tackle there. So we'll see if he's full strength. Jalen Waddle with that ankle still uh, was just off to the side. So we'll see if he's able to go. Uh, A-Chain has been in uh, uh nursing his toe and ribs for the entire season. It feels like Jerome Baker's working his back way from an injury. Uh, Lester Cotton is their starting guard now. He, and then you have Liam Eichenberg with a calf. Uh, they're starting center. You saw Tyreek Hill. Everybody saw the pictures of him in a huge boot. Um, so I'm not sure how he can be full strength. Robert Hunt's working his way back. Javon Holland had his knee injury all season. Um, you know, it's the list is fairly long. We'll see which members of the team uh, are able to go. Then they already lost, obviously, uh, earlier this year. Jalen Phillips, uh, as well as their edge, they may have to go with a recently signed Melvin Ingram. They may have to go with, obviously, Emmanuel Ogba. Um, they're going to have to go with, you know, Andrew Van Ginkle as well uh, at the defensive end positions. Uh, so there's a lot to do when it comes to uh, that injury report as we'll monitor that closely throughout the rest of the uh, of, of the week. There's a lot that really will affect this game. This isn't, you know, something that's going to be uh, light in this game, Kevin. So knowing those injuries, what, what are your immediate reactions as the Bills got healthy? And it looks like, and then you, you have this injury to Tua too that you, that you saw on Hard Knocks uh, where he couldn't feel his hand. Like wh where, where are you standing here with the difference in injuries? And night game now, so the weather's not going to be an issue either. It's going to be in the 60s. Yeah, but didn't I see that they're supposed to have heavy rain Sunday night in Miami? I didn't see that as of what I saw lately. It was supposed to be okay, but I'm, I'm not sure if that popped its way back up. Yeah, we should probably check that because I feel like I saw that on, on uh, Twitter today. I could be wrong. Hopefully it's nice weather, but I believe the weather report that I saw said about like 60 degrees and, and heavy rains in the evening. But I mean, it's Wednesday, so that could change as well. Even if I did see it, maybe I saw it correctly it's supposed morning. to rain during the day so actually the night should help it it'll dip the weather back to the 80s down to the 60s uh it just says overcast by nighttime so we'll see uh it does look like it's supposed to rain most of saturday into sunday uh but it's supposed to be gone by the afternoon well you know in terms of the injury reports um you know we've kind of glanced over them now and we talked about the bills the one thing that really sticks out to me is eli apple because this is such a juicy matchup. We talked about Stefan Diggs at the beginning of this show and how maybe this is a week that he can pop off again. And it's always so fun to watch Diggs versus Jalen Ramsey and Josh Allen versus Jalen Ramsey for that matter. Because, you know, 2018 called him trash. And ever since, he's been showing him why he's the exact opposite of trash. So that's always fun to watch. But then Eli Apple is just that classic player that everyone hates. It, like if you if he's on your team, you love him. But if you're one of the other 31 teams, you hate him. And he's just a trash talker and he's annoying and no one likes him. So I think this is a really interesting matchup between 
Diggs and Ramsey, and then Davis and Apple, or maybe they put someone else out there. Uh, maybe Trent Sherfield, you know, revenge game back in Miami. I haven't seen too much. We haven't seen too much from him lately. Um, but yeah, the, the Bills wide receivers versus the Dolphins secondary is really piquing my interest. Yeah. And before we get into some more detailed stats, I want to get into some Allen versus two. I want to get into some Bills versus Dolphins. I want to get into some two versus Bills. Uh, there's a lot of things I want to get into here. Some, some stats and some things I have found interesting smash that like button that means a lot to anybody listening here on facebook twitter youtube as well as our on-demand listeners on all of our platforms apple Podcasts. please smash the like button that means a ton to us also this show is brought to you by the summit center helping over a thousand people earn uh, their independence every year with developmental social and behavioral challenges means a lot to me personally so it would mean a lot to check out their organization as well and it's brought to you by as always sons of erie and tuscany and finally, tonight's show is brought to you by Dave Dangler and Larson Timco Funeral Home in Fredonia. Larson Timco Funeral Home, offering 100% fully guaranteed price and pre-arranged funeral plans with live streaming available. So thank you to all of our sponsors for making tonight's show possible. Absolutely. And that brings us to the fun part of the show. Let's 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 put together a game plan. Let's let's put what is going to be good for the Bills and why there's some encouraging reasons why the Bills. Uh, ultimately, if you were to pick up a game, like this was a very interesting point. Would you pick the Patriots, the Jets, or the Dolphins with a win and get the number two seed scenario? There's probably people out there knowing the state of this that may feel better picking the Dolphins. Now, I'm not, I'm, that's silly, um, but ultimately what that Jets and Patriots defense is able to do, you know, you, you probably still pick the Patriots, but realistically, there's a, there is a play that would make you want to pick uh, and play against this Miami Dolphins team just as just because of some of these statistics uh, that I'm about to go over for you of why, like, ultimately the domination hasn't been over the, the Jets and the Patriots. It's been fairly 500 against both of those uh, both of those teams. Um, but when it comes to the Dolphins, it's been pure domination. Um, so let's talk about this season. The Bills have a 457 strength of schedule, 444 strength of victory, three and two against teams over 500, and four and two against playoff teams. Pretty good numbers for a playoff team for a top five team. Uh, now conversely, now the Dolphins have a 432 strength of schedule, lowest in the AFC and in the NFL playoffs, a 358 strength of victory, lowest in the AFC and the NFL playoffs, a one in four against teams over 500, a one in four against playoff teams, both lows in the NFL playoffs. Uh, so you, you sense you sense a, a little bit of a thing there that they were able to beat, barely beat the Cowboys at home. Uh, as the one time that they are able to to do something good. Um, but other than that, they have mightily struggled against some of the league's best. Um, you know, you hear like it's going to be over 50% Bills fans there. Tua against the Bills, one in five, five touchdowns, five interceptions, and a 79 rating. Josh Allen, nine and two, 31 uh, touchdowns, five interceptions, and 110 rating, 10 and two, including the playoffs, 350 yards extra and three touchdowns. So you see you see where we're going with this, where, you know, the domination that the Bills have had, and they have dropped a game recently last year in Miami. They're generally four and two there, though. Uh, it's not really a place they don't go and, and can't win there or something along those lines. Uh, it's definitely a place where they're able to win. And then lastly, the total overall statistics um, of what I like to say is Josh Allen, five, uh, five and one on Sunday night football. That is a pretty cool statistic. His only loss coming against uh, uh, Joe Burrow this year in that game that basically got um, 
Dorsey fired 14 and six all around in night games. Pretty, pretty good. You only take that to is 500 on Sunday night football, two and two, five and five in night games, just really all around with it when it comes to good. And these are good, usually good opponents for the most part, just 500. I mean, that is what the dolphins are on the road. That is what the dolphins play when they play on the road or a good team or a team in the playoffs or a team on the night games. Kevin, they're 500 in these situations across the league. A lot of the times, you know, some of the wins come in against maybe the Chargers, um, you know, along those lines of, of games that are very winnable. The Patriots uh, was one of the night games in there. Uh, but when they played the Chargers last year, that pretty good Chargers team, they weren't able to get it done. Um, the Eagles, et cetera, um, you know, they, they definitely have struggled at times in those games. So some of these fringe matchup statistics uh, are very, very interesting to me because, it just all skewed to where a team struggles mightily against a team that plays really well in a lot of these situations. So that's what really jumps out to me. And just the dominance of Josh Allen since the first game he played against Miami, where he lost and played fairly well. I mean, to go 10 and one beside that uh, in 11 straight games, that's more than just lucky. Uh, there's something to that style. It's like Tom Brady level against the bills where you're just pretty good um, you know, in those, in those personal situations, nine and one record, one and one, uh, one and oh, in the playoff five AFC player of the week awards against Miami, second most touchdowns all time on Miami, most consecutive games with two plus touchdowns against one team with 12, um, you know, 456 rushing yards for five touchdowns. That's running back one numbers, you know, uh, six, uh, 65% completion percentage in those games. Like Kevin, it goes on and on and on. What is your opinion? Like, what, do, how do you feel after all hearing all that? Well, I have two things to say. One about the Dolphins, one about Josh Allen. Okay. First of all, to your point, the Dolphins beat the Cowboys a couple of weeks ago. That was their first time in over 450 days that they had beaten a team with a winning record. And that team was the Bills when they were decimated by the Heat back on September 25th of 2022. So that being said, that translates into my Josh Allen point that I'm going to make. You said he's 9-2 and two versus the Dolphins in his career. That was the one loss when he literally had to put the team on his back that was just falling apart, hampered by dehydration and injuries. And then the other loss was his first ever matchup against the Dolphins with the Charles Clay drop back in Miami, early 2018. So this is just utter dominance by Josh Allen versus the Dolphins. And to your other point, that's why I feel so confident, because even though the Bills offense has been a little sloppy the last couple of weeks, and it just seems like it's not clicking like it should be. For some reason, Josh Allen plays his best against the Dolphins, and that has me feeling very confident for Sunday night. Yeah, it's super interesting, and you just kind of see this with certain players against certain teams. You know, Mahomes' dominance in his division has been a thing that is much talked about. Uh, you saw Brady dominate against the AFC East. Had a little bit of hiccups occasionally with the Dolphins at times that really dominated the Bills and Jets uh, throughout history. And similarly to the Bills, like Josh Allen has struggled a little bit against the Jets at times, uh, even six and five or whatever it is against the Patriots. He's like seven and four against the Jets, like not dominance. Good. I mean, he's generally winning those games, but still like 13 and 10 roughly between the two teams. It's not dominance. It's good. Um, but then the dominance comes in the factor of 10 of his last 11 games against the Dolphins at some point. Um, I think it comes down to these teams generally not having a defensive head coach, generally not being able to stop Josh Allen. That's what it comes down to, whereas Bill Belichick might be one of the best in the league ever at taking away a team's best option. That's why he's mixed well with someone like Tom Brady, uh, who can dominate the offensive side of the ball, 
and the Jets, you know, Robert Sala hasn't been great there. His offense have been terrible, like uh, like downright awful. Uh, but he has been able to, since playing Josh as the NFC San Francisco 49ers, he has adjusted and figured out how to um, play the Bills tough, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, they're not turning the ball over. The Jets are going to be hard to beat, uh, even with their limited offense. So that's, especially Zach Wilson. I mean, he, he was efficient enough. Um, but I mean, you realistically look at this semi banged up, no Howard, no Phillips. Um, you know, you you've got no Bradley Chubb now. So that was basically their first round pick. They traded a first for him. Um, so they're sitting, you know, starting to get a little bit more decimated, or against the Jets defense or Patriots defense that's been very stingy, you probably pick the Dolphins defense uh, in those situations because they, they are worse. Now you look at the offensive side of the ball, a revolutionary offense that's been quote unquote struggling uh, a little bit lately. You saw Tyreek Hill drop last week. Uh, you've seen a lot of different things. Get into the game plan now a little bit here that we want to get into. What does the Bills offense need to do against this aforementioned Dolphins defense? There's a couple of ways to win here. Like, I don't particularly think they're very good at stopping the run or running quarterback or a quarterback on the move or a quarterback in play action with deception. They have struggled at that all season. And I think you'll see it. That's why Lamar Jackson was so successful. He moves the pocket, play action. He does a lot of different things uh, to, to get the defense off script. That works in Josh Allen's favor. That's what he's one of the best in the league at uh, is getting an uh, defense off script. The Bills need to move the pocket. They need to confuse the Dolphins and what they're going to run and run the ball. 21st DVOA run rush defense uh, against a team that's looking to get after Josh Allen. Give him some support. They've ran the ball pretty well. They've ran it a little bit too much, in my opinion, at times uh, lately, um, especially in the Chargers game when their EPA on dropbacks was like tops in the league. Would have liked to see some more passes in that game. And I don't think the run game was awfully efficient last week, but you're going to get prime time. Season on the line, Josh Allen running the ball. And when he's running the ball, he's at his best. You're going to get Josh. Uh, I don't want to say Josh be Josh because I feel like we've used that on multiple shows now. But I think you're going to get an efficient offense that's going to move the pocket. He's going to be able to beat these DBs like Eli Apple, Cater Coe, who was was absolutely torched last time by Stephon Diggs. And what is Jalen Ramsey going to do? Well, Jay, who will Jalen Ramsey line up against? Like, is he going to follow Diggs? He doesn't generally. Is he going to be on Gabe Davis then? I'm not exactly sure because then you have uh, you have Shakir and Diggs against Eli Apple and Kohu. Plus matchup for the Bills. Jalen Ramsey will obviously – Gabe Davis needs to do his best Gabe Davis impersonation to take Jalen Ramsey out of the game. But will they ultimately switch to Diggs? We'll see what the Dolphins defense does without their top pass rushers over you know 20 sacks missing. So, Kevin, what what is your offensive game plan for the Bills against this Dolphins defense? Well, to your point, not to, you know, overuse this statement, but this is literally a game where we have to let Josh be Josh. And I think yeah. it's careful with how we do that because we've been preparing ourselves the whole year for this moment. And the Bills were very careful with limiting the amount of hits that he was taking early on in the season and saying, okay, you know, let's just be smart. Don't take those big hits, slide, get out of bounds. But as the Bills started losing more games, the pressure started to increase to unleash Josh. And this is the moment where it's like, if you don't unleash Josh, there won't be any playoffs potentially. Now we'll get into the scenarios coming up here on the rest of the show. But the point remains, this is the Josh Allen game. But with that comes a Josh Allen experience. Because on one side, 
the reason why I think he's so good in these moments, especially versus the Dolphins, is because he knows how state how high the stakes are, and the adrenaline is pumping, and I think that brings out the best of him. But with that comes probably one or two bad decisions a game where he might just chuck it down the field and throw up an interception because he just says, I'm just going to throw this 50 yards and I'm going to have Stefan Diggs go catch it. Or like you saw last week versus the Patriots where he's trying to pick up that first down. And if he would have continued to stretch out, it would have been fourth and one. Okay, just do the snow plow. But no, he lateraled it five yards behind him. I don't know what that was, but you see these moments where, like I said, it's part of the Josh Allen experience, but that's why we love him because he'll have 10 incredible plays, but then he'll have those one or two where you're just scratching your head saying, Josh, this isn't 2018 anymore. So all that to say, I think that the game plan needs to start in the middle of the field versus the Dolphins banged up defense. And I think if you can get guys like Dalton Kincaid, Khalil Shakir, and James Cook going early and often, that will open up things down the field for Diggs and Davis, and that will take some of the pressure off Josh where he doesn't feel like he has to do everything on the first few plays of the game. Yeah, and you look at what they're missing. Jalen Phillips, six and a half sacks, one of the better edge defenders in the league. Xavier Howard, uh, you know, he has interception, in, but more importantly, 12 passes defense. Isn't the stickiest at his age right now in coverage, uh, but definitely is someone that can get his hands on balls, got his hands on 13 balls, top 20 in the league at knocking down passes. Um, you know, he's been pretty efficient in his 30 year old age, you know, kind of dipped from being a top 10 corner really to be a top 40 corner. Um, different metrics say he's not great, uh, but he is a veteran presence in there. Uh, also going to be missing, as we've mentioned, Bradley Chubb, 11 sacks, total 17 and a half sacks off the field from their edge defenders. Not many teams can 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 overcome that. I mean, that's like taking for the Bills Floyd and uh, Floyd and taking off. Greg Rousseau, sure, or something like that. I mean, it's just it's just too much at one, some point. Like, it's just um, – it's part of what makes this defense pretty good here uh, under Vic Fangio. And then missing one of your top corners, bringing in Eli Apple, has been uh, an experiment for any team right now. Uh, but you do bring in Emmanuel Ogba. They do have a decent depth guy there with five sacks, so they could overcome that. But can they overcome both? Um, you know, Andrew Van Ginkle will play a ton, too, with his six sacks. Uh, so they have decent – replacements it'd be like the bills trotting out aj epinesa per se um i mean they have decent backups uh for here for the the dolphins defense but one that um can they overcome all of these challenges in the first place because i don't think they're secondary without um without xavier is very uh, xavian howard is very good so we'll see how that all materializes over um over the course of the game, especially with a banged up Javon Holland, who's really good in my opinion. Uh, David Long has a ton of tackles. Um, Drum Baker has been injured. We'll see if he's able to go here. Cater Kohu had a nice rookie year last year. Okay. Um, so far this season, but definitely a guy that's vulnerable in my opinion that you've seen be picked on by the bills uh, as recently as this year, decent run of the mill slot corner to me. Uh, Eli Apple is one of the league's worst. Uh, seems to play good against the Bills, though, Kevin, uh, but is one of the league's worst, in my opinion. Jalen Ramsey, top 20, top 25 corner right now, isn't to his number one overall stature, but is playing pretty good, and we've seen those matchups with uh, with Diggs materializes. Holland's one of the league's best safeties. Um, they've been playing Deshaun Elliott uh, more than Brandon Jones, so they have some s decent usable safeties. Jerome Baker's your run-in-the-mill linebacker 
uh, there. Uh, Zach Sealer is very good at the interior rush position uh, with Christian Wilkins and Raekwon Davis. So they don't really have uh, th- that. That's a pretty good core. They don't really have an issue there. Um, and, you know, Van Ginkle's played some good football. Van Ginkle, Chubb, and Phillips have been a really good operation. Ogba can get after the passer, but is a complete liability against the run. That's why I think you run right at Emmanuel Ogba in this game. I think it's a complete uh, mismatch um, there in this. And you're going to see, like, really, they they don't have a third edge defender at the moment. It's going to be Melvin Ingram. Uh, I just think his days are past him. So you're going to have uh, you're going to have Melvin Ingram and Emmanuel Ogba as mainly your defensive ends in this game, uh, thirty plus. Um, so we'll see. Run right at him, Kevin. So that's my that's my keys to the game. Attack. Uh, Emmanuel Agba is a good pass rusher. Don't get him in situations. The Bills tackles are pretty good. Not worried about the the edge pressure in this game. So uh, I think that that's been a, a plus matchup for the Bills. But it's time to switch to the other side of the ball. Uh, yeah, real quick. Any position um, groups Miami has an advantage with considering these injuries. Um, position groups on the Dolphins defense, particularly or in general. We'll get into the offense in a second. But on the defensive side, um. I, I mean, think for that both, the, I can't really think of any. Their interior line still pretty good. Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins are good. And, yeah. you know, it's a lot of people just saw what Christian Barmore could do. So interior-wise, you know, it's kind of <clears throat> kind of trauma of the past for the Bills interior, which is playing much better. Um, but, I mean, Sealer and and Wilkins are good. So that is an advantage. But that would have been an, that's an advantage against most teams. That's probably the strength right now. And in theory, their corners went healthy, Howard and – uh, Ramsey in theory is good to match up against most receiver rooms in the league. Um, but without how, I mean, now you're going to Apple and Coho. It's not, it's no longer a strength to me. Um, so really their strength on the defensive side is the interior D line. So time to flip to the other side of the ball now to where really where the matchup is or where it could be where top two offense, top three offense against playing like a top five defense, especially when the Bills are full strength. That is just as interesting of a matchup here. Um, so we're going to go to you first, Kevin. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what your opinion is about how to to play this high-flying, motion-based Dolphins offense? Well, l- let me start by just confirming. What were the injury reports on Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle today? Jalen Waddle was off to the side. He was supposed to be missing uh, multiple weeks before the playoffs. Could he come back half strength? Possibly taking a thousand yard receiver off the field is more likely. And then Hill is in a huge walking boot. I'm assuming he's playing. Otherwise we would know Um, neither for sure full strength, but I anticipate just Hill on the field. And then behind Hill, their next best receiver, I I mean, is Durham Smythe at blocking tight end? Um, who has 300 yards receiving, like it's not great. Cedric Wilson's been okay. 200 yards, Braxton Berrios. Uh, there's, there's, they're a lot different with either one of them off, even really either one of them off the field. Uh, both of them are in, you know, you know, walking boots, essentially. I forgot they have Chase Claypool too. And he doesn't play. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's not very good. I was looking at the depth chart, uh, Claypool and then Robbie chosen Anderson. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty thin behind Hill and Waddle. I mean, that's who the offense goes through. And then with Mostert being banged up, you know, kind of hard to come up with a game plan specifically while we don't know the injury report. I mean, we have this injury report, but we don't know what their game status is yet. So I'm just going to leave mine in general and say that Sean McDermott is going to have to come up with another great plan because it seems like he always has a great plan for Tua. 
And like you said, Tua's one and five against the Bills. And I just am very confident that McDermott will be able to scheme up different packages, play a little bit of dime, have different blitzes coming from different angles. And I, I just am really confident that I, I'm not going to say that the Bills are, are going to beat them by what was the first matchup, 28 point victory. You know, I'm not going to say Bills minus 28, but I think that the Bills defense can definitely take advantage of this weakened Dolphins offense. To expand on that, um, the Dolphins are number one in the league at target targeting um, the middle of the field. That's what Tua likes to do. You clog up the middle, you make him look through a second read, and that's how you attack Tua Tagovailoa. Um, you look at it from a perspective of the Bills are the second best team in the league defensively at guarding the middle of the field. Do they go crazy aggressive like they have in the past? Not in my opinion. So the Bills have been ultra aggressive. There's no soft cover zone to uh, dropping, you know, cover three, uh, dropping into these quarters coverages that you've seen in the past under Leslie Frazier. That is the number one thing people ask to see. When the Bills go down swinging like they did against Russell Wilson, they blitzed him. They got him the first time. The second time he threw up a prayer, underthrown, pass interference. That is the negative side of the aggression. You're hoping that call doesn't get made. I need think that call, whether it's the Bills, the, the Bengals, the Patriot, that call needs to be out of the game. The underthrown ball is a terrible call. Um, I don't think you can call that. A play would never be caught. Um, like It's just a terrible loophole against the pass interference rule that's challenging to call. So I don't think that's a good rule. However, those are some of the negatives to an aggressive defense that you're seeing. They're not just dropping in his own. I hate seeing that like on Twitter or X or anywhere else where someone's like, they need to stop dropping it. They're not. They're playing more aggressive style of defense. Um, there's times when they're in zone, absolutely. Like they're still a zone heavy team, but they don't just sit back in zone and let you do what they want. Like you may might have may have seen uh, in years past. This is an aggressive. De- they have the third most sacks in the league in plus 50 sacks. Kevin, it's not a passive defense. It's not one that wants you to make a mistake. It's one that's going to come after the ball. Like you saw Rasul Douglas attack the ball, tipping it into the air um, to uh, Ed Oliver in uh, the Patriots game. So this is this is how they're a little bit different than in years past. They already have a double-digit sack guy that they haven't had in plenty of years. They may have two. They may have three. Uh, when this is awesome, I don't know if they'll get to three, uh, but they definitely are going to have probably two and maybe maybe guys or you know linebacker close to it uh we'll see where aj epinesa ends up so it's definitely not uh something that is um passive from the bills point of view from the aggression standpoint so i don't know if that's a game plan though the game plan against Tua, he's gonna get the ball can you get there fast enough i don't know i think i don't know about the blitzing defense against Tua. the reason the bills have been so good is that zone is dropping bernard and dodson into coverage clouding up the middle of the field and bracketing shadow bracketing, make Tua throw into the honey hole. Make him throw into the honey hole against Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is going to try to get off get off coverage, even though he's a safety over top. And he's going to try to sit down 15 yards away in the intermediate range because he knows that he's not going to be able to beat the style of defense deep very often. So he's going to lose a lot of routes that way. So Tyreek Hill doesn't like to lose. He's going to sit down 15 yards in the middle of the field. Drop your linebackers. Trail them, trail them, trail them, trail them. Make Terrell Bernard take away that middle of the field with a safety bracket and a corner jam. You're essentially triple covering him in a way, but with a zone coverage. Bills are able to do that very well. That is where Sean McDermott excels. That is not where he struggles as a coach. He is able to take that kind of coverage and utilize it to its strength. To its strength. You saw Matt Milano do it in the first game. You've seen Terrell Bernard all season drop, 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 and trail with the receiver and be able to not get burned in front of him because the Bills are so 
generally so disciplined. You, he's, allowed, he's allowed to trail backwards because he's confident that in front of him, the Bills have coverage. The Bills are able to rally and tackle, uh, that the D-line has gotten home, uh, that, the, that the boundary corners are going to stay in their zone uh, to cover anything short. So you're going to trail your, a guy like Terrell Bernard into a zone to take away a guy like Jalen Waddle when he's playing. Now, with him off the field, the Bills can get really creative because you're not doing anything special with Cedric Wilson. You're not doing anything special with Robbie Chosen Anderson. You're not doing any special coverages against Chase Claypool, who can't even catch the ball. You're going to play normal stuff against them. You're going to run trailing zones, and you're going to run press mans against uh, against Tyreek Hill against with his angle, uh, ankle injury the way it is. And you're going to be able to shut that down. That is the Bills' game plan if I'm Sean McDermott, and I know he's going to do it. Now, if there's times when they need to get after um, Tua and maybe they're struggling with their front four, maybe they will start to get blitz happy if they're getting beat or whatever. But Tua, it gets the ball out extremely quick. It's a wasted blitz. Uh, their O-line's not great. It's good. Their tackles are pretty good. Their interior O-line's pretty beat up. Um, so that communication factor might be off. Interior pressure is going to be big from Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver. Don't blitz in this game. Like it's not going to be the key to victory like it was against uh, Bailey Zappi or Easton Stick uh, or others. This is a game where time your blitzes. I love DB blitzes against the Miami Dolphins that can get home. I do not want special linebacker blitzes because I want those linebackers in coverage. And I need that timed uh, very well. So that's that's my keys to the game. And then especially if one or the other running back is out, they're both banged up. I think Mostert's not going to play. Uh, because uh, McDaniel made a weird comment, like, I'm sorry about being leading you on about Moster. It was something really weird um, in those situations. Uh, I didn't really understand what he was referring, because he didn't have any context. Um, like, he didn't mean to lead us on about Moster maybe playing. Uh, McDaniel can't take anything he says with uh, seriously. I don't ever know if he's telling the truth about his injuries. Um, I never really know what's going on there in Miami. Like he's funny. He like rolls up his pants. Like he's cool. He wears like, I, I, I wish it was colder shirts, but ultimately I don't know that I can trust what he says when it comes to uh, his injury report. So that's the way to beat the Miami Dolphins. In my opinion, you take any of those weapons off the field and they get thin quick. Now you're talking, um, you know, Jeff Wilson, Jr. Playing you're talking Chris Brooks. You're talking, as you've mentioned, Durham Smythe. And Robbie Chosen Anderson and Cedric Wilson. You're talking guys that are worse than league average uh, compared to two elite receivers. So either one of them off the field, and if both of them are banged up, um, that's advantage. The reason that the, the Dolphins are decent with 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 Skylar Thompson is because of what those receivers are able to do against corners. That's what makes them decent. And then you have Raheem Mostert and De uh, Devin A Chain um, able to. I mean, I mean, A Chain can can stress any defense. Uh, at any time, runs eight yards a carry. I, I assume he's going to break the record if he meets the carries limit, limit, um, which is around 100 carries. So it's an aggressive offense. It's going to run motion, but the Bills are really good against it. They've shown it already. What challenges? The difference was, yes, the Bills were good against the Dolphins' defense, but the Bills' offense, uh, excuse me, the Bills' defense was just as good against the Miami def uh, offense uh, last time they played. So continue it. Trail those receivers, bracket and triple cover Tyreek Hills. I mean, he's injured. How many cuts can he do? He's going to probably receive more quick, simple routes, maybe try to go deep once in a while. He isn't going to do anything crazy. And there you have it. That is the way, that is the success to beating the Miami Dolphins. Um, take away the middle of the field because two is number one in the league. You take that away, he's got to go to a second and third read. Take away Tyreek Hill in those situations. 
Tua's got to make off-script plays. Uh, it's not his style with a left-handed quarterback going against the script. I, I mean, that's where he's going to struggle. He did, a good, did it well in college, but since that hip injury, he doesn't really have quite that college mobility and script management that he used to have, in my opinion. So that is the keys to the game. Get him off script. Get him into a second read. Clog the middle of the fielder. He's number one in the league. And I think good things happen, and that's why sometimes he struggles against a team that disguises coverage as well as Sean McDermott has. So, what what is your feeling? Like, how how do you feel about that, Kevin? I'm I'm glad you said that because you said that a lot better than I did. Because when you asked me my game plan, I didn't know exactly how to go about it because for those reasons that you said. And I was thinking at first, like, okay, the main thing is it always wins up front. Like, you have to win with your front four. So I was going to say that, but then to your point, you got to be careful because you don't want to get too much pressure and you don't want to bring the linebackers because that's where the Dolphins will beat you because you literally turn your head and they're gone. So I like how you said that, you know, win up front with your front four. They've been playing great lately. Maybe we'll see Von Miller. Maybe this is a game he breaks out. Maybe not. But either way, whoever is on the defensive line, Make sure you win your one-on-one -on -one battles and then drop the linebackers because I think that's how McDermott can confuse Tua where he starts to get a little hittery-jittery and saying, oh, this is my second, third, fourth read. What do I do? Boom, there comes a sack by Leonard Floyd or A.J. Epinesa. So I think that's the key right there, winning in the middle of the field and having Terrell Bernard and Terrell Dodson continue to play as strong as they've been. There it is. From the Going Deep Buffalo show on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. Those are our keys to the victory, as always. Uh, but it's time to get into some playoff scenarios, and we're going to give you our wrap-up thoughts and score predictions as we head into the home stretch. I got one more thing. Okay. I just want to mention Sam Martin real quick, because going okay. off of the point about the defense, some people might not like this because I know it's a polarizing statement, but this is where complementary football comes into play. Sam Martin dropped six punts inside the 20 yesterday or not yesterday Sunday versus the Patriots and what was the stat on that was that the first time since like however long that it's been that a punter dropped six inside the 20 do you know what I'm talking about yeah I did see that I don't know in, in how many years but it did seem to be a certain amount of years for sure yep so I think that is what McDermott's talking about with complimentary football because when the offense wasn't clicking Sam Martin helped because he pinned the Patriots deep, which made it easier for the Bills defense. And in a game like this versus Miami and a high powered offense, you want to be giving them as bad a field position as possible. You don't want them to start at their own 45. You want to back them up to the 10 yard line. And then that's where McDermott's defense can excel and maybe get into his head. So I just wanted to put that out there, too, that special teams could also be a huge factor. Six out of six down inside the 20. I think he read my tweet where he ranked pretty much 30th plus in most punter statistics <laughs> um, until he read my tweet and clearly decided to put six of six inside the 20. Um, so uh, that's definitely was helpful to the Bills um, because otherwise their special teams unit was poor. Like I thought it was poor. There was penalties. There was kick return touchdowns. Um, it was an awful day. Dane Jackson uh, has developed into a decent backup boundary corner. I, I mean, he saw the gap and just got ran over. Like, uh, he just didn't make a play, um, which uh, was, was tough. Um, so, you know, Josh Norman was making those plays all the three games that he was up from the practice squad. 
um, at some point, if they need to call him up to play, they can't technically because he's utilized all of his call-ups, but uh, they need to figure out uh, a little bit of that kick coverage. Definitely they do. That's definitely been a challenge, both punt. They've lost a game on punt. They started 7-0 against New England down uh, because of some returns. So that needs to change quickly. And Smiley's had some issues all season long. So uh, definitely uh, something that they need to consider uh, going forward uh, in this one. But it's time to talk about playoff scenarios. It's time to bring in the meat and potatoes. There isn't a ton to go over, though, this time. Like last week and the week prior, uh, we had a lot of rooting interests, uh, some stuff to break down. It's not that complicated, guys. You win and you're the two seed, right? Number one. I mean, that's we talked about that for the most of the night. Very easy to, to, to digest. Scenario two. So before the Bills even kick off the day prior, 24 hours prior, you have a Steelers team with Mason Rudolph going into Baltimore with Tyler Huntley and their backup unit playing at home, similar to what you've seen from the Bills in the past. Um, now, the Ravens have rested a lot of players in the past and have gone in double weeks buys and look cold and lost to teams like the Titans uh, and sloppy games. Harbaugh's doubling down, and he's doing it essentially for sure at the quarterback position again. Two weeks off is a lot in this league. Teams are firing on all cylinder. Look at teams like the Bills getting hot, teams like – uh, like other teams, like the Browns, others at the team, like the Browns are a legitimate team. They may have to play uh, getting hot. So you got to be careful, but he has elected to go with the selection of not playing his players. Um, at least Did that now. become official today. Yes. Yep. He said that they're not playing any, like they're not even playing. I mean, he didn't half. break it down yet. Like who and who, but he's already stated that Huntley will start and play the entire game. Huntley's a guy that's made the team to the playoffs, potentially beat the Bengals last year. Um, this isn't a preseason game. These guys are still um, really good NFL players. Um, like you're not playing your 70th and 80th man. You're playing your 30th man. Um, and the Ravens are the top team in the league right now. Um, how much different are they than a bad, a pretty average Steelers team? We're going to find out. So the Bills need the Ravens. It's as simple as that. Bills get the Ravens win. The Bills have clinched the seven seed and play with a little bit of buffer on Sunday night football. As simple as that. The game following that, though, is the Indy-Houston game in Indy. Indy's already won this year. If Indy and Houston square off, the reason that game is if they tie the Bills clinch, it's not going to end in a tie because neither team wants that to happen. Um, but more importantly, the Bills, uh, just to play that team with a win or through the roof. So the winner of that game is essentially the Bills' first opponent if they win the two seed. So the winner of that Indy-Houston game with the Bills as the two, Dolphins dropped to the six. The winner of this game is the seven seed. For the most part. So the only way that that could change is we'll get into that in a second is with the Jaguars. So Indy Houston's big only for the factor of you play the winner. If you win pretty straightforward, right? So um, the rooting interest there, whoever you'd rather play, do you want to play CJ Stroud? And I've tweeted some interesting McDermott against rookie quarterback stats. No rookie quarterbacks ever thrown for two touchdowns on McDermott ever. Um, no rookie quarterback. Um, so the bills only losses against rookie quarterback underneath McDermott has been a win game against Mac Jones. Trevor Lawrence in the nine to six Jacksonville game where he didn't throw a touchdown and was awful. Um, Trevor Lawrence was awful in that game. Uh, the bills just didn't show up. Um, and then a Sam Darnold, his rookie year with a depleted roster where Sam Darnold only had 170 yards in an interception. Um, so McDermott generally doesn't get got by rookie quarterbacks. He knows how to confuse them in an NFL game. So we'll see. Um, or would you rather play Indy with a journeyman quarterback and a much worse, worse, worse roster? So that's the only route you can pick who you'd rather with that game that's up to you uh and lastly here in rooting interests is the jaguars game um jaguars versus the titans the titans you've seen the famous or most people have seen the famous clip now uh with mike vrabel basically saying losing sucks 
Um, and he didn't appreciate the question of like, what are you playing for? Um, Put the choice word in there. Yeah, he did. Plenty of plenty of choices. I love how he doubled down on it. Um, I think Mike Rabel, as we heard from Mark Schofield yesterday, uh, last week from SB Nation, is in the running potentially to be the next Patriots coach uh, with the contract situations. Um, so maybe he has a little bit to play for. Knocking out the Jags would be a good start. If he, if he does that, the Bills then clinch the seven seed again. If you get the Ravens to win and the Titans to win, the Bills clinch the six seed. Um, it's pretty, pretty simple in the rooting interests. Um, and then the Bills would play essentially if that happens. Then then Houston or Indy of that Saturday night game win the division. Um, so then the Bills would be playing the Jags potentially or the Steelers um, based on the way that the, the schedule would, would, would finish shaking out. Um, so that's the rooting interests. Weirdly enough, the Las Vegas versus Denver game matters for the seven seed. Neither of them can earn it. But if the Broncos win, it puts them into a joint tiebreaker scenario at nine and eight with the with potentially a loss by the Steelers. Um, it can change your, around the, the the playoff scenarios where if the the, the Broncos win, uh, that is good um, for the Steelers. So they're 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 sitting there rooting for the Broncos. Doesn't really affect the Bills, but it does affect the NFL seven seed um, pretty pretty heavily. Uh, in this game, but the bills are pretty much rooting for the Ravens or Ravens fans. One more week, the Ravens fan in back-to-back weeks. This was the negative scenario we talked about last week on the show with the Ravens win. Yes. It gave the bills a chance at the two seed, but it knocks out them from playing. They would have absolutely annihilated. Um, in my opinion, the Steelers at home for the one seed if they had lost. Uh, so the only negative there is now they're resting their starters now it doesn't give the Bills any buffer. It does allow them to play for the two seed, but not much, um, not much buffer room there. So that's it, Kevin. If neither of those games go that way, they're kicking off knowing they're the two or the eight seed, and the eight seed is eliminated. Um, that so is crazy. It could be the two or the eight. Has got to be the biggest. It's got to be the biggest jump from someone being in a top two seed, like ever. Like that's a huge. Like someone that can be the two, one or two seed is generally the the five, or they're sitting in the five. Um, like, 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 like the Cowboys and the Eagles kind of jockeying all season between the two and the five, that's, that's standard, but the two and the eight, two and the nine, I mean, that's crazy, um, of that jockeying situation. That's not standard. I think most people would say that even if the bills lose lost to the, to the, uh, what something goes wrong and the bills lose to the dolphins, they're the third or fourth best team in the AFC. Like, um, so there's some theories out there that the Ravens don't want the bills in it. But my my counter rebuttal is why would you want the Steelers in it, your 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 fierce rival, and you don't control what the Bills do anyways. The Bills can win and still be that two seed. Now you just look foolish for letting the Steelers in or trying to let the Steelers in. So if it was a one and done game on Sunday Night Football where the the, the Ravens could say I don't want the Bills in it anymore, maybe that's a little different. Maybe that's a little different. But this is a scenario where the Bills play after them. The Jags can also help out the Bills. Like that's silly to assume that the Ravens would rather their division rival than a chance or an off chance right now, a 9% chance. And it's a little bit higher only because the Ravens aren't playing their starters, but like a 9% chance that the bills don't make the playoffs right now. The playoff odds sit at 95%. Uh, percent. Um, I think it's a little bit less because of that factor. I think it's more like 15% chance, 20% chance the bills don't make the playoffs. Um, if you think the bills are 60, 40 to win this game, you factor in an 80% Jags win and you factor in a 80% Steelers win or something. I mean, that's, that's your, that's your chance of, of not making the, the playoffs. So you would need a 40% Dolphins win 
times an 80% times an 80% and you're sitting at like 20 to 25% chance to not make the playoffs based on those raw, raw statistics. And those are probably right. So Kevin, well, how are you feeling? Like obviously went in into two, that's very obvious, but how are you feeling beside that? Well, I, I want to talk about the Ravens because I think okay. it is still realistic that they can beat the Steelers. Now, I know I asked you about the quarterback situation, but did Harbaugh say that other starters are going to be resting, or did he just announce that Lamar is? He mentioned other starters. When I'm assuming anybody with an injury, like Zay Flowers, uh, Kyle Hamilton, a couple others uh, that wouldn't be uh, starting. But by the way, real quickly before you get in, Dan Dawkins and James Cook were named to the Pro Bowl, by the way. Yeah, I just saw that, actually. So, so, but yes, he did not mention it specifically, but I would assume any of those, you can't, you can't, this isn't the preseason. You can't rest 40 players. You can only rest about five plus maybe seven yeah. or eight more on the bench. So you can That's rest about point. at most half your starters at most. So yeah. That's what I'm thinking. So here's where I'm at with this. I have a few reasons that are making me feel more at peace here because Number one, like you said, they're still going to get some starters who are playing. And number two, well, I, I guess this is part of number one. So they're going to have some starters, some backups, but they're used to doing that because the Ravens are one of the most injury riddled teams in the entire league. It seems like every year they're just decimated with injuries and it's just kind of like plug and play, plug and play. This guy's coming off the bench. This guy's coming off the street, and they somehow find ways to win. So that leads to point number two about let's not forget that the Ravens had a 24-game preseason winning streak that ended this summer. Now, I know that's just preseason, and that means your backups are playing against other backups and third stringers and fourth stringers. But again, that shows that they do have some depth, and they know how to win with their backups and maybe even their third stringers. And then the other reason, number three, is that the Steelers already beat the Ravens this year. And I don't think that the Ravens want to go into the playoffs knowing that two of their four losses came to their division rival in Pittsburgh, yeah. and they could potentially help them get to the playoffs since they lost. So I think there is going to be that motivation, especially because they've clinched the one seed. So they don't want to take too much time off and have two straight weeks of no football. I think they are going to want to carry some momentum out of this week into that buy and then into the first round of the playoffs. So I think there are some reasons to be optimistic for a Ravens win on Saturday, almost on Sunday, but it is Saturday at four 30 Steelers are four point favorites uh, in Baltimore. You're right. Maybe those are some fringe benefits there to, um, I mean, I don't think you want to get swept. I still don't think you want to help your, your rival. I still think like the bills did in the past, want to bury their rival. The bills have won this game in the past against the dolphins. Josh Allen did play a half of football. Uh, but ultimately, you are looking to take care of them. You're at home, which is a benefit on a short rest, which is a benefit to the home team. So a couple of things that do work in their favor. I still anticipate the Steelers very much so. Every bit of much is at four-point favor. If this was a standard game and it's, the Ravens needed it for the one seed or the division or whatever, I think the Ravens win by 14. So are they really 20, 17 to 21 points different? I don't know. Like we're going to have to find out how this game goes, but ultimately they're talking about a Pittsburgh offense. That's Mason Rudolph, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. Um, you know, so it's yeah. Pickens has came on a little bit. Johnson does his thing occasionally, not really much else there. Average O-line. Um, 
I so, mean, is Mason Rudolph due for a cool off? I mean, maybe that's another positive that maybe uh, the Ravens' stingy defense are first in the league in takeaways. Maybe this is a week that they can get Rudolph to kind of come back down off of this high that he's had the last couple of weeks. So there's another positive right there. And truthfully, like, you know, he's been completing passes at a decent clip, but, um, you know, 567 yards for two touchdowns so far in the games that he's played. So he hasn't been lighting it up. Um, but will be interesting to see how this 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 Ravens game goes. And I, and I tweeted this out like a little bit earlier because it was a thought of mine back when I was younger, uh, back when I was in high school, actually. I remember a certain game back in 2004 where the Bills could win to get in against the backups of the Pittsburgh Steelers at the time uh, back in 2004, um, and they couldn't do it. Can the Steelers beat the Ravens this time around and make the playoffs in a reverse situation 20 years later? Uh, we'll find out because there's a lot to play for for these backups, especially when these teams are at home. It is not a given. I do expect the Steelers that they should be able to beat the Ravens or they, they should back up Ravens or they shouldn't be in the game um, and or in the playoffs. But right now the line has moved to Pittsburgh minus four. Um, so they're favored uh, in this specific game. So that's what the that's what the odds don't really take into account where this game's probably more like 70 60, 40, 70, 30 Steelers, um, which would affect the ultimate overall odds of the Bills, non-two seed scenarios. Um, so if that game goes that way, the six seed is eliminated. So on Saturday, the six seed could be eliminated from the Bills if the Steelers win. The six seed will be off the table. Arrowhead will be off the table. The only thing remaining would be if the Jags lose against the Titans, which is another tough one. Uh, the Titans are home. Jags are pretty banged up. The Bills could earn the seven seed. An update on what? I said, do we have an update on Trevor Lawrence? Yeah. He hasn't thrown yet, so he's going to be severely limited. But they won with Beathard last week um, against a, a, in a game against a bad Panthers team at home, though. So seeing them go on the road against a Mike Vrabel team, against Ryan Tannehill, trying to get a job next year. So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, if the Titans are able to pull that off in that situation, the Bills would earn the seven seed for the rights to either host in this in this scenario, they would either host the Jags or they would go to Miami. So that would be the scenario if the Steelers uh, do win, but so do the uh, Titans. So you would have you'd be playing a Dolphins game knowing you're either going back to Miami with a loss or you're hosting uh, a Jacksonville uh, in the two versus seven game. Potentially the Steelers if the um, t- if the Denver slash Raiders game won. So if the Raiders win. Uh, then you would get the Jags. If Denver wins, you would get the, the Steelers. So that game affects the seven seed based on tiebreakers. So it's pretty funny, but uh, you would be playing that night knowing that either you're going to play the Jags or Steelers or you're going to be uh, uh, going to Miami. So those are the scenarios. Those are the rooting interests. We appreciate everybody tuning in. It's a little bit more pointed this time because there's exact situations. Both of those games happen. Jags, uh, Jags lose, Steelers lose. You're the sixth clinch going into the game, either Arrowhead or home, or one of those games, and you're the seventh seed, and it's either Miami or home against Jacksonville or, Steel- or Pittsburgh. So those are the scenarios, um, as you uh, know. And if the Bills win, uh, as well as some of the other games go, you know, I say everybody wins that's supposed to. Um, you you would then play the winner of Houston and Indy, which is also a realistic possibility. So that's that. That's rooting interest as we get into kind of the final segment is score predictions and um, final takeout to final takeaways for tonight. Score predictions, Kevin, bring us home here on the last regular season score prediction of the season. Last game of the year. 
Yep. Well, I, I can't remember. I've lost track of what our personal records are, but I'm going to hope that I can continue to stay hot since I've predicted this five-game winning streak to close out the season. So, of course, I'm standing by it. The Bills are winning week 18 in Miami. We don't have to scoreboard watch as much because we're going to take care of business and we're yep. going to beat the Dolphins. It's not going to be a blowout like in October. The Dolphins are going to make it tough. I think it is going to be back and forth, but I think the Bills are going to pull away in the end. They're going to the, the the offense is going to click, and then the defense is going to clamp down when it matters most. So I have Buffalo winning thirty four to twenty seven. Can you complete your like seven game in a row bender, starting back with the Jets win, then into the into the Eagles loss? Can you complete? Your segment from November, we'll wait and see next edition. Um, but on this edition, at least, I'm with you. Um, I had a I have a one-score game here jotted down. Um, I think the Dolphins are going to make it tough. I mean, I think it's going to be 60% Bills fans in there. I think it's not going to be as smooth as you'd want a home game to be if you're Miami. There's been reports of it definitely being over 50% um, for the Bills. But ultimately, I think that the Bills, that the game plan that I have on defense is even going to be better than my offensive game plan. I think the Bills get it done. I think they ultimately complete the task and come all the way back to earn the two seed in my prediction, hosting Indianapolis Colts. So we'll see if I'm right about that. Um, Bills Colts in Buffalo, uh, if everything goes right um, for them. 27 to 20 is what the Bills win this game by. Uh, a full seven points in a game. Very similarly, the ball's in Josh Allen's hand at the end of the game, just like in New England. Um and they're going to salt it away again in back-to-back -back games to win the division. 27-20 to 20 Buffalo in this game. The under is going to hit as well. I believe it's around 49.5 points uh, at the moment. Final takeaways, Kevin. Um, bring us home with your final point that you have to give to our wonderful listeners. And thank you as always. Smash that like button, please. Uh, also, we really appreciate any of the support that we have for all of our sponsors from Summit to Tuscany, um, as well as Sons of Erie. Um, and, and a lot of our sponsors across the land. So thank you to all of our sponsors as well. Bring us home, Kevin. Yeah. And, uh, Larson Timco funeral home as well. And, and, uh, Dave Dangler. Absolutely. <clears throat> so my final takeaway is I thought about this in the middle of the show, actually, you were talking about the dolphin safeties and we had that question about whether they're stronger at any position group than the bills. And I almost thought for a second safety. Because they are relatively healthy on the back end. But then I was like, well, wait a sec. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are back. And then I got to thinking about how many months ago, Jordan Poyer was very close to signing with the Miami Dolphins. And for whatever reason, I think it was financially driven. And the money just kind of dried up. And I think he realized that his heart was in Buffalo all along. And he re-signed with the Bills on a very team-friendly contract. So I've been doing a lot of thinking about Jordan Poyer, and I think he could be the difference in this game because how different do you think it would be if Poyer was playing against the Bills? It, it just kind of hit me during the middle of the show that that could have been the difference. Something that happened on a random day in March could totally affect the biggest game of the year here in Week 18. And I am so happy that Jordan Poyer is going to be wearing red, white, and blue. And I think that he could be the difference maker in this game on Sunday night. Because I mentioned with my score prediction, 34-27, this could come down to a game-ending interception by Jordan Poyer. For sure. And there it is, the Going Deep Buffalo show here on the Built-in Buffalo 
podcast network and live show network. So we really appreciate that. More giveaways coming. Built in Buffalo is growing. Monster Energy um, sponsor that we have working. Underdog Sports. We have all of our show sponsors bringing you great things. A tailgate party that we do. Um, so we really appreciate everybody tuning into our Wednesday kickoff show at 7 o'clock every week. And we have some great things to bring you next week. Some great guests. That's all we can do is hope the Bills get it done. And I can bring on a guest from my wonderful um, network like Mark Schofield. Uh, we've had some great guests in the past um, for the jet, for the Chargers, excuse me, for other teams. And I have a deep plethora of guests that I'm looking forward to bringing on as the Bills continue this journey and when they continue this journey. Um, so for everybody, we really appreciate you tuning in to the Going Deep Buffalo podcast show. And I'm Kevin. That's Kevin. We will catch you guys here to talk playoff football next week at 7 o'clock right here. And we'll catch you guys after all of this and the last game of the year is all summed up. So we'll see you next week at 7.